Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute, where social justice, human development, and community building come together. This is where you will meet activists, artists, teachers, scholars, helpers, and healers who are bringing creativity, hope, and possibility to individuals and communities all over the world. everybody to this episode of All Power to the Developing, where you get to meet and hear from people around the world doing very, very exciting and innovative developmental projects. Today, we have a special guest, Peiyu Koi from Taipei City, Taiwan. Welcome, Peiyu. Hi. Hi, everyone online. <laughs> um Peyu and I know each other for quite a few years, and uh, the communities of the Eastside Institute and Peyu's community have intersected and partnered many, many times in both countries and in other countries um, over the past two decades or so. It's a thrill for me to be able to speak with her and to have her introduce her wonderful work to all of you. So let's get started. Um, Peyu, tell us about the work that you do. And I know you've had many, many roles within a broad activist community over the years. And maybe you could tell us a little about that and how it got started and why it's important in Taiwan at this point. Thank you. And thanks, Lois, for inviting me. It was my privilege and to be part of this. And um, I'm Peiyu from Taiwan. So um, so I want to share one thing. And um, so I want to point out that Nancy Pelosi came yesterday to Taiwan. And that was a very big thing for Taiwan because the uh, that that is a best example to to explain the relationship between China and Taiwan and American in this 2022, the year of 2022. What does that mean? And, and the reason why I'm pointing this out is that what I'm going to share about our work and myself is uh, connected to this broader context, this historical and political context. Uh, so I am, um, I am a, a social worker. I was trained in social worker, but, and now I am an activist and political organizer at collective of sex worker and supporters for almost nine years. And COSWAS is the oldest sex workers right advocacy group in Taiwan. And I uh, used to work in a clubhouse with people with mental illness. And I, I was also part of the international class of SI Institute uh, in year of 2019 before the pandemic hit and through the pandemic <laughs> at that time. So that was a very, very unforgettable experience. So when Lois asked, um, 
about tell us about you, you and the kind of work that you've done. And it brought out an interesting question because in in English that was a lang- that's a language question because the in English it did when you say you you didn't differentiate the individual and collective sense, but in Chinese we do differentiate it. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to. Uh, so so before I've introduced myself, the individual part, but and now I'm going to give a a little bit sense of the collective part. So I was also I, I'm I also belong to a political activism community that has been around in Taiwan for thirty years, and Cos Coswell is one of the group in this broader community. So in the past 30 years, we have done organizing with labor union, um, sex workers, of course, and uh, immigrant worker, international family, people with work injury, people with mental illness, a lot of labels, a lot of identity. So that's uh, the the starting point of our our movement. And I, I want to give a little bit political and his, his historical thing about to understand why it is so precious for us to do this in the land of Taiwan. Because after under the Cold, Cold War atmosphere so uh, and the relationship between China and Taiwan, Taiwan has very, very strong anti-communist sentiments. So... It's just cut off any possible allies from the international community, from the, the left wings. So, and especially under the martial law, it's for, forbidden for you to do some rebellion thing underground. So that's important to, to have those activities, those activism going on, because that I believe that's the, uh, the power to, to keep the society growing and to be more democratic. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about mm-hmm. our work. Okay, great. So I think right off the bat, um, this episode is merging, synthesizing the, the psychological and the political and the cultural, um, which is, I think, hard for many people and is, is critical. So that they're all together and you can't deal with one without the other is very, very important. And, and um, as you're saying, and as I know, your community, your political activist community understood that from the very, very beginning um, and has worked, I understand from what you're saying now, under very difficult circumstances because a lot of the things that you're trying to do in terms of inequality and uh, justice and inclusion, to use some of the buzzwords of today, um, would be seen as communist or nearing communist. And you're saying that you are in a very, very anti-communist um, environment. Um, so my hat is off to you uh, for the risk taking that you're all doing. Um, so where does psychology fit into this? How do you how do you see, or, I mean, I know you said you were trained as a social worker, but social workers do have to engage and be, uh, and learn some of the basic psychology from the West. 
Um, how do you see the relationship between politics and psychology? I mean, I think uh, psychology is highly political. But the fact is that when I start uh, going to college to study psychology, I didn't realize that at all. <laughs> so, so I want to start from that. I think the nature of psychology, especially in Taiwan, because uh, a lot of uh, first or earlier generations of social workers and psychotherapists, they got their PhD in America, mostly American, in the 80s, 90s. So that basically set the ground for for the, the knowledge background is, is from the Western. So I think the first thing is the the, the transplanted knowledge system and how does that fit into Chinese culture? I mean, for example, when we talk about family, people think different way. Like for the people in the West or people in the East, the family, the value, I mean, the, the meaning, it's quite different. I'm not, I'm not saying it's very different, but in some sense, it's like the, how society view family, it's quite different. And how, yeah. So, so I can, think that- Can you the, share that? Can you sit, can you give, give our audience a little um, example, feel for that? Yes, yes. So, I mean, for, for a lot of, I mean, for my, my, my friend, a lot of my friend in America, they, they move out their parents' house when they're like in their twenties. And they may leave many far away and they see each other only on Thanksgiving and the Christmas vacation holiday season mm-hmm. like this. And maybe that's not true. I mean, I just like it's a part of my experience with my American friends. But like for, for us, I mean, for, for me, for myself, I mean, I will have to say that a lot of people, maybe in Taiwanese family, they, do, they don't do this. But for my family, I'm very close to my family. So my mother and my father, my grandparents, they live just next door. So that's where we can take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And we we celebrate a Father's Day, Mother's Day, Dragon Ball Festival, any like because we have to do the worship to our ancestor. The mm-hmm. the cool family ancestor is in in my parents' house. So it's like generation. 10, 20 generation of whole family. It's on our, our little place where we do the worship. So, so I would say that that's quite different in some sense, because it's like, like the, the heritage of our family. And we want to keep our, uh, to remember our ancestor and to, yeah, that's, that's the root of, of our family. So, so yeah. So let's go back to the psychology. So I think. I think the psychology is mostly for the mind of people and their experience when growing up. So, so, so family experience has been, has been a very important part of psychology. But, but I'm, I'm, what I'm pointing out is that the, the basic epistemology of family is different. So, so when, when we see family different and how we're going to understand people with the same Western psychology. I mean, for me, it didn't work. So, so that's, um, that's, that's, that's one thing. And another thing is that I would say, I mean, for, 
as far as I know, I mean, compare the, the psychology development history or psychiatry development history in Taiwan and America. I would say that Taiwan literally has no, like, like not much development locally, but we just take what's from the West mm. and to put in our country. So, so for anti-psychiatry movement, we don't have that. So for uh, radical therapy, I mean, in, in ones in the, the in, in American, we don't have that as well. So I would say that a lot of, a lot of people who learn social work or uh, psychology, they just take uh, a toolkit from American, mm-hmm. from the West, and it was it was not until recent ten years we started to have some some knowledge from from Europe, but before that, mostly American. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. I mean, and. And the and the license system. I mean, we don't have in Taiwan. We don't have a chance to to radicalize, to be radicalized. And then there is a implementation of license system. So, so in the name of professionalism, I think the the place, the space for independent thinking or or being more political is just limited, totally. Right. So I think that's the second part of the uh, the the relationship between right. politics and psychology. So how did you get the space? How did you get radicalized? How did, how mm-hmm. is it that hey you don't toe the uh, uh, imported American line? Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, I mean, take myself for example. I because my. My English is not bad, so <laughs> I mean, so so when I was a little girl, my friends because my mother is a social worker, so she has friends of social worker and psychologists. I, I used to play in the hospital all the time when I was very little. So a lot of auntie and uncle they always say, "Hey, when you grow up, you have to go to America to study abroad." <laughs> So that that's been my 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 goal. I mean, in the in the first two decades of my life. So and I and I, I'm 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 longing for that as well. I was longing for that, and um, but it was not. It was until I was doing an internship in a major mental hospital on the east side of Taiwan when I see a lot of patients they are the male they are men men naked standing on uh, in the in the world mm. waiting for taking shower and that was the um i mean for our supervisor at that time he say it's a it's a it's a mistake because he 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 didn't calculate that he didn't realize the time but when i saw that i was like why people would would live like that and why i'm doing this if i'm wearing a white robe how how i can how how, how i can think that i can help them what mm-hmm. does help me so that's the moment i start to think about this mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, so that's why that's my first turn. I didn't choose to go to the hospital to work in the hospital. I work in a clubhouse where we relate people with mental illness as lay people and we work together. So that's my first. And then second, it's when I met this community. And yeah, and I, I just, when I saw, I remember when I saw a documentary of a licensed prostitute that was played by Coswas in the clubhouse I work. So a lot of our member, the people with mental illness, we watch the documentary together. And it talk about stigma. I mean, the stigma, I mean, because for myself, I'm a lesbian and I feel the, the gay stigma sometimes. And for people with mental illness, they, they feel the stigma of, you know, being seen like a, a mad, mad person, a nut. And of, of course, for the sex workers. So that's the first time I, I, I started to explore and discover my sociality and politicalness. And that's why I am in this community until now. Thank you. That's um, both very elegant and simple story of uh, mm-hmm. of your life intertwined with the history and the culture of America and Taiwan. Um, very much appreciate you telling us that. Um, the uh, thing I'm thinking about is, not surprisingly, uh, development. <laughs> and power. And um, I think we are going to take a very short break, a little commercial break, and we'll come right back. And I want to ask uh, some, ask you to speak about development and um, all related things having to do with politics. Thank you. Let's have a break. Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. If you like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas. Like everything at the Institute, the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support. And now back to our conversation. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're uh, talking with Katie Choi from Taiwan, a uh, social worker, political activist, radical, etc., etc. Um, hope you've been um, following along. Uh, and if you've just joined us, please go back and start from the beginning because it's a really fascinating uh, 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 conversation we're having. So, um, Peyu, I'd like to ask you about it's probably going to be a little convoluted um, question. Um, so from what you were saying about this realization from working in a hospital <clears throat> under really 
what sound like inhumane conditions um, and realizing you didn't want to do that. I say you didn't want to be a gatekeeper. You didn't want to keep people locked in. Did you, but at that point, have any concept of development of, of emotional development and its relationship to activism or did that come to you much later? No, it comes to me um, later because before that I was just, uh, I just want to be a most professional social worker that I can imagine. A lot of therapy and a lot of things I can do. Yeah, so I didn't have the idea of development. I was just being uh, shocked by what I see and I want to take it in and think, well, what is that? What would that happen? Mm. And what, what, what I want to do. But, and, and I think after, after years, I kind of realized that maybe it's because I, I kind of feel, uh, resonate with, a, a minority group in the society. I mean, I don't want to be treated like this. So, yeah, I think maybe that's the seed of my revolutionary um, hope or mm. the, the thing I want to do. I think that's just the seed that I don't, I don't want to do this. And that I, will, I don't want to do the one who repeats or, yeah, I, I don't want, if I realize that I want to do something different, right. I think that's the, the reason. Yeah. And so that's why when I met this community or when I know the Eastside Institute, it just like so matched. <laughs> and I just want to learn more, know more. And that's why, because I had the seed and, but, but, but my community and you gave me the environment to flourish. Mm. Yeah. It's a beautiful, um, Beautiful image. I mean, I, I, I think, I think so many people have misused the nature image of seeds and and full grown whatever's flowers and trees, um, and and many people have used them very well. And I, 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 I like that. And I think, I think there are many many people who, who their gut their gut response to to the injustice and inhumanity of, let's say, uh, mental illness institutions, or even many, many uh, reactions to schools, to the coercion of, of schools is, is like a gut reaction. And it's, it's like, I don't want to do that. And so many people are not lucky enough to have the opportunity or be open enough to see an opportunity that stares them in the face so that they can do something different. How did that happen to you? Not merely our community, but that you saw, that you saw the, you were, you had a way to actualize your understanding that psychology was political and that people who were uh, marginalized or different in one way or another were treated very, very badly, and you didn't want that to happen. How did that come together 
uh, to change your life? One thing is that uh, I just I just thought of that. I, I just remember that what I thought at that time is, come on, homosexual is once in one of the in in the DSM, just like those folks in the mental hospital. <laughs> what the hell you think that you're better than them? <laughs> I mean, I mean because we used to be the same. I mean, in the whole society, how people see us because it's a historical process. It's not just what we see right now. So mm-hmm. I see the connection at that time. Mm-hmm. And the other is that, so I, I mentioned that I always want to study abroad. And there come several times I, I, I've, I've, I've done all the tests, but eventually I didn't go because I choose to stay in Taiwan. And and that's a strong belief that if I want to do something in Taiwan, I'm not learning some knowledge from the outside and put it in Taiwan again. I want I don't want to repeat that. If I really believed what's the best knowledge is by our practice, it's by our actions and uh, the thing we do with people in this land. And I, I have to believe that I have to stay here and to be as near to the ground and to learn from those people and do things, see how we can create. So, so that's the, uh, my, that's eventually, I mean, I, I, I don't want to study abroad. Yeah. So that's, and, and the other thing is that, um, I believe that the, the the knowledge should be made by our hand, our our own hand with people. So that's my my belief. Yeah. I was just doing a little work today on um, learning what the term empowerment means, uh, because I um, I write a column now called the Developmentalist and. Um, uh, one of the letters that's sent to me that I'm going to respond to very soon, it's it's in the queue right now, um, is asking me about empowerment. I, and so I um, gave some thought to it, uh, what that word means. And I'm I'm what you're saying is so responsive to this issue in, in is how I'm coming to see it, which is that when you empower people, you give them something rather than what you're talking about, which is that they can discover with you as a partner what they have to give. It's really different. So I think that exercising power and empowering people is a very, are both very, very different. And that's connected to me, I, to this question I have for you, which is a seeming contradiction. It has to do with so much of the work that you've mentioned of your community is within categories of people, one could say, sex workers, immigrant women, um, the disabled, et cetera, et cetera. And yet I know that you have strong feelings against or about identity politics. And so how do you navigate the, that, that relationship between working with groups of people that could be called identity groups, but not organizing them around identity. 
Yeah, thanks for pointing this out. There's, uh, I, I really enjoy talking about this, and I, I never stopped thinking about this even until now. I think it's a, it's a, it's a question that worth exploring and pondering around the path of our practice. And I think I also think that it's very uh, dialectical because the society is composed of different identities, categories, and labels. And I think there are just too many to ignore. <laughs> and and I have to say that the it's true that there is need to know and to claim who I am because I need to know who I am. So so there's a strong impulse for the need to have an identity or have many identities. And I think moreover, in some sense, under the destructive oppressive systems, identities serve as flag to gather people alike, to come mm-hmm. together and call for further, further collective act, uh, actions or voices in a very individualistic capitalist society. But I think we just shouldn't stop here. And I think the issue is not the existence of these symbols, these labels, but the way we treated these symbols. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, we have to develop creative and playful way to relate to this identity in order to prevent people get locked in yeah. the community, uh, the, the identity. And I'm not sure about what LGBTQ teenagers experience in the U.S., but as a lesbian living in Taipei City of the uh, 90s, knowing there's a group of people like you and they are called gay who are not conforming to traditional gender roles gives a light, gave a light to 14 years old Peiyu. Right. So I think that's, so I think that identity are of value to some people in some life circumstances. Yeah. So I, I'm 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 not going to deny it. But for now, after 25 years, I would say that identity are like clothes. What matter is not putting on one particular particular piece of clothes, but if putting on a clothes while on a being unable to take it off and try on new style, that could be a problem. So I think that is a dangerous trait, 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 trap about identity could be limiting. Mm. And that, that's where comes to, uh, the development because it's not good for development. If you only have one piece of cloth in your, in your wardrobe. So I think that's a bad thing. But in the, at the same time, so that's what I say. I, I mentioned that homosexual used to be in the DSM with those people with mental illness. Right. And right. what I'm saying that because in the development of democratic society, identity politics serves as resistance to the ex- exclusion of my, my minority by the mainstream society. So emphasizing this, uh, emphasizing the similarity of people with same identity to gain stronger and louder voice to fight for, for power. It's very important. But, but I think that even the most disadvantaged minority group, there are still differences among each other, uh, among each individual, just like they are working class or white color people in gay community. 
So I think it's equally important. I mean, it's important for minority group to fight for the rights and power. And it's also important to recognize and acknowledge the difference among one another in order to avoid repeating oppression and exclusion without knowing it. So, yeah, and I think one thing I feel is de- developmental for me in the in in my life course with um, meeting this community, the community, the, the activism community, is that we have developed a, a methodology is to try to bring different group of people. So as you say, we have migrant workers, sex workers, blah, 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 and a lot of labels and categories of people. And we try to bring people together, like to share their family experience, not just their label. I mean, their how their experience illuminate a particular point of historical and the politicalness. Mm-hmm. So when that was was trying to depict as detailed as possible, a lot of people feel resonate. And at that time, the uh, any single identity doesn't matter at all. So I think when you try to, because when we say identity of a person is just one small part of a person, and the other part is you as an individual, you, you live in this society, what is what's your life look like? And what's your family look like? And what do you do? And people just don't get a chance to, to know that and know each other in this way. Right. So I think when, when this can be unwrapped, it's like you are pressing things very little into identity. But when you try to uh, unwrap that, it, it starts to get more detailed and clear. So there is no chance to, to do the, obstruction into identity. So I think that's a very important and, and it's very developmental for me. But but because once in my life I think I'm I'm a lesbian and the story ends. <laughs> so, <laughs> well I'm glad you got rid of that one. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. So that's terrible. <laughs> I used to have only one clothes in my in, in, in my wardrobe and I, I I was so afraid to wear other ones. And now so, yeah, but now I'm kind of enjoy to have different clothes. And I feel that it's it's not important to emphasize I'm a lesbian. I mean, it's not important to emphasize as before. I mean, I don't have to say that I am this because I am pay you. I am who I am. And I could be this, I could be that. And yes, so so I think I, I really been through that process. I don't want to say... I don't want to deny and I don't want to say, no, I, we don't want identity because it's impossible. It's I mean, impossible. in this society, it's impossible. But as you say, how we can, how we can try to do other activities other than feeding people in the identity and the story ends, how we can create together to write the stories together. Right. Right. To, to write the story collectively. So that's the thing I, I really, I mean, in these years, I, I think about identity in this way, because I don't want to say, hey, how, why you put yourself in a identity called lesbian? You're, you're more than that. But I can feel myself saying to myself that, hey, there's a need. There's, true, there's a truly a need for, for, for us at that time to find who we are. But 
but the point is that it shouldn't end there. Yeah. So that's that's why I what I think about identity. Yeah. I love thinking about the development through performing who you are and becoming more and greater than who you are in the way you're talking about it. I love thinking about it as as a full closet of clothes, <laughs> as you're saying. It's like, you know, and it doesn't mean like you're putting on a brand new costume that has nothing to do with the lesbian costume. It means that you're playing with the costume you have and making new costumes and letting other people add a flower here and a, a belt there and shoes there. And and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have a full closet that many, many people participate in creating. Yeah, that's, that's very nice. Um, I have one more topic that we might um, explore very briefly. And I do think it still has to do with power and development. And that is the current focus on trauma and whether I'm pretty sure it's also within the psychological and let's say um, feminist and perhaps identity circles within Taiwan as it is in this country. And I wondered what that looks like there and how you might relate to that in terms of the work with the sex workers. One might say that they're all traumatized um, by their work and by their stigma and others might say that's not an important term to use here. What do you think? I, I think the trauma itself, it's a, um, I don't like it. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I don't like it. And, but the, the reason I don't like it is that I, is that, it's not that I am denying there is not trauma. But I'm trying to say that trauma is like, um, if I say I have this trauma, it's like I'm claiming the ownership of the trauma. I have this trauma and I am this trauma and I can cannot do blah, blah, blah because I have this trauma. I mean, I believe at, at some point for people who has trauma, it will be hard for them to just take it away and try to uh, try to do things different. I think it's extremely hard, but I think it's very, it's a paradox when you claim that you have this trauma. At the same time, it makes the trauma equals to you, and mm. and e can 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 be some type of identity. Mm as well so i mean that's the thing i don't like about i don't i'm not saying i don't like the trauma itself but i'm saying that i don't want people treat trauma only in one way is to claim the ownership which it's very easy to in this individualistic society and people like to corner uh claim ownership. I have this, I have that, I have money, I have commodity, I have things like that. Yeah. So in, in that sense, trauma is just one of them. And 
yeah, so 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 that's what I think about trauma. I just think that it's very dangerous to mm-hmm. stop, just claim I have this trauma and I am this trauma. If the story ends here and it will be so limited, it will be no place for development. So that's what I think about trauma. And for feminism, I think, I mean, because I work in Cosmos, it's a sex workers group in Taiwan um, in the, for, for 25 years. So basically, I think for, for Cosmos, we experienced the, the, the development of Taiwan's feminism throughout the history. But I have to say that, I mean, for me, when I was in college, because I'm not, I cannot go on the street to say, hey, I'm gay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that. But the only way to do that is that they are different clubs at the, at, at the, at the college. And one of them is like the feminism club. Mm-hmm. And all the families and club, there are a lot of lesbians. So that is like a, a scholar cover, yeah, <laughs> study yeah. cover for, for, for gay people in, in college at my age. So at one time, I feel like uh, reading some classic uh, feminism helped me to find a language to, to, to name what I'm feeling, to... Mm-hmm. Uh, people feel the same as me. Wow, there's a woman like me, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's very important at that time. But at the same time, when a lot of feminism, they, I have to say that a lot of feminism, they, they got uh, support from American as well. They, they got influence, influences or impact from the, from the uh, American the 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 movement but mm-hmm. at the same time i mean taiwan we we don't have the first wave feminism second wave and the debate around intersectionality and the the black and white woman lesbian woman we don't have that kind of debate so for taiwan because we have short history so it's very easy to take what's from the outside and we we put it inside mm-hmm. so I mean, in Taiwan, now what's happened is that a lot of feminism, they start to gain power with the um, in government official or they have partnership with the politicians. And they believe that in implementing more and more law will protect mm. women's and sex minority. But now what, what we're seeing is that even the toddlers of five or six years old, they will say, hey, you are doing sex harassment to me. Mm. I mean, between toddler. So so you can say that, wow, it's like regular human interaction, but it will be like, they, 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 they have learned to use the extremely individualistic term of sex harassment. Yeah. So I think that, yeah. So so I think this very it's it's very paradoxical. So so the society feels like it's more and more progressive because like gay can get married in Taiwan right now, but in some sense it get more vulnerable, more sensitive. 
and it's easier to trigger some alarm and it's more conservative. And mm. that's the concern I, I saw, I, I observed for the、uh, feminism movement in Taiwan. And that's really not good. Thank you. That is amazing.、Um, amazing to me because I've been having some conversations that are so similar with people from totally different countries from yours and mine. Very, very similar about、um, just, I think we have to end, but I, I'd love to throw this idea out、um, for you and for our audience to be thinking about that. That, in a way, you had mentioned this. You said, you said the commodity.、Um, so, this whole trauma and being triggered you know, has become a way to be recognized. To be, hey, I'm here, I exist. And Obviously, I think that the playing with, the, with trauma, the playing with triggering, the playing, the performance, the using it to build your group, to build your community, to help everyone develop, because these things do exist in the world. So, you know, can those toddlers who, one of them saying, you are, I am, you're sexually harassing me. Can a gifted improvisational teacher come in there and play with them and help them create scenes that kind of dismantle the, the shame and blame in that that's already being inculcated into five year olds?、Um, so, one comment on that, and then we're going to wrap. What do you think? Yeah, I think.、Um... I have to say that a lot of law, new laws implemented around,、uh, across the last 10 years h a s been very limited for the, the first line educational situation and for the teachers, for the counselors, because the space is getting limited. And a lot of teachers in our community, they say that as well. But at the same time, just like you say, I mean, we know that. It's getting little and little spaces. And that's why we have to create more creative developmental responses to, to, to different situations. Yeah. So I think that's definitely、uh, a very important thing to do from, from nowadays society, no matter for the education environment or for people. Work with um, uh, social workers, psychologists, and for the people who work in the system, how we can try to develop different performance. I think that's the very important issue for us. Indeed, developing different performances that aren't taking one side or the other, like how you've been talking the last since our commercial break, Mayu has been so exemplary for me and for others because it's on the. It, At the same time, this is happening and that. This has been helpful and it's harmful. Like to recognize the complexity of, of everyday life and of laws that try to regulate in positive ways that have negative effects.
I think that what you're saying is really, really important. And I, I think our listeners will have a lot to think about in terms of, of both power and development. So I thank you so much for being our guest. And um, I invite everyone to comment, to subscribe to All Power to the Developing. We will have on the website some ways that you can um, get in touch with uh, Peyu and some of her organizations if you'd like to hear more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to write email to me. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye.